this up. Okay, it's working. So let me just stick it up here. Yeah. Good morning. Yellow floor, don't go. <laughs> We're glad to see everybody this morning. Hi. Abbott, come on up. Um, today's forum is sponsored by the Care of Creation Ministry within uh, this congregation. And I've asked Abbott to come up, which he's very reluctant to do, because Abbott and I both serve on the Episcopal Diocese of Washington's Care of Creation Committee. It was a task force. It's been formally constituted by the bishop. And um, I just wanted to brag a bit on the work that Abbott has been doing in leading this group informally. There are other chairs, but he has uh, moved us into working closely uh, as members of the Anglican Communion Forest Initiative, having introduced us, um, uh, what would you call it? You introduced a measure, a resolution, right, at, uh, at this year's uh, diocesan convention, uh, which was passed and which we're all exploring how to follow through in terms of creation care. Um, so, Abbott, I want to just thank you and formally recognize that uh, and invite any of you who are here today to join this group. We uh, have been meeting virtually for the past uh, few years and we'll probably continue to with some, um, some in-person gatherings normally right after a service here. But anyway. I would just say the resolution dealt with the importance of planting trees to celebrate special occasions. So it's a what? It's a diocesan mandate, not mandate, I should say, encouragement. Yeah. So, that's, so when you think about special occasions, think about ways to plant trees. Right. Yes, Thanks. yes, Thanks and many other initiatives. So tonight um, we, we chatted with Clark about the possibility of sponsoring a forum or two. And uh, in chatting with uh, Lisa uh, Kirschenbauer, and for those of you who may not know Lisa and her family, Jim and her three very talented and wonderful young men who've grown up in this congregation, uh, she is the chair of our planned giving committee and uh, co-chair of the women's group that sponsors a retreat. And we happen to enjoy being uh, roommates and I was asking her about uh, issues and topics that might be uh, relevant to creation care that would be of general interest to the, the forum audience. And, uh, and she said, you know, the church is actually working on uh, socially responsible investment and thinking through its policies. And I thought this is relevant to all of us. Powell and I are having this conversation at home and have just taken some measures. So let me just say one word or, or two about Lisa's background and then turn it over to Lisa and she'll take questions at the end. There are lots of Lots of things to talk about on this topic, but um, Lisa has founded and runs her own company, which is called Omega Wealth Management. She started it in 1999, but her background preceded that working with the Calvert Group and Calvert Securities um, in 1987. So she has carried forth uh, her interest and commitment with clients working around ESG, as it's known in the, in the uh, world, and impact investing. And uh, I'm just going to brag on her. In 2018, 
investment news named her as a woman to watch, and uh, the Washingtonian Magazine uh, recently named her to one of their top wealth advisor hall of fame. So she's here today to share some information about the history of um, socially responsible investing and then to give us some ideas on how we can align our money with our values, which as Christians we all want to do. Thank you so much, Lisa, for saying no problem. Thanks, Joanne. Thanks, Clark. And thanks to Care Creation Committee. Um, I am going to need glasses um, to, to do this. Um, so there's, there's a lot to talk about here. And as I've said to some other folks, I'm probably going to leave you with more questions than answers at this point, because I'm, I'm going to throw a lot of thoughts out on um, ESG investing. And, and I'm going to unpack that a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about the history because a lot of people think it's a recent fad, which it is not at all. Um, and I've been involved for a long time. It's evolved quite a bit. Uh, I also want to talk about the continuum because a lot of times there's a, there's a misunderstanding about what it means. And there really is a continuum of how you can align values and your money. Um, and I want to address some of the issues um, more recently around trading performance, greenwashing, that kind of thing. Give some examples, both positive and negative, about why it, it, you should be thinking about this in your own investment strategy. And there's different ways to align money and values. So I want to point out some that may not be as familiar to people. Um, and, and just some different ideas about what investing options are, are out there. And then just, I'm gonna briefly touch on uh, the process that we're going through, through. I'm also on the investment committee as well as the planned giving chair. So the process we're going through with a new investment advisor and, and how that's going to line up going forward. So so lot to cover. And um, at the end, I do have a couple of handouts. Um, I purposely did not put them out so that you didn't get lost in that. Uh, but, but that address some of the key issues around ESG. So first of all, what is ESG if that's new to you? Uh, e is for environmental, um, S is for social responsibility, and G is for corporate governance. And, and, and this is a more recent term uh, going, if we go a lot farther back, it, it turns out that the ideas go back more than 200 years. So um, I had a little fun with chat GPT just to see what it could do. So some of what I'm about to tell you about the history is from chat GPT, but luckily I know some of the history and I've added my own pieces as well. So um, socially responsible investing, which is the precursor, um, had its roots in the United States during the 18th and 19th century, going back, and this is a piece I did know, 1758 to the Quakers who um, avoided investing in slavery. Makes some sense that they would do that. Um, and and uh, there were a number of religious organizations and individuals who refused to invest in industries such as not only slavery, but alcohol and tobacco. Um, early in the 1900s, and, and this is where it gets controversial, is like which investment fund in the US was the first one. But I, I, I was familiar with the fact that uh, Pioneer Fund avoided sin stocks, which again is, alcohol, tobacco, and gambling. Um, the modern SRI movement uh, emerged in the 1960s um, around, uh, more around avoiding weapons manufacturers during the Vietnam War. Um, and then in 1971, the first supposedly truly SRI mutual fund was launched, the Pax World Fund, which exists today. 
um, and they avoided uh, weapons um, or anything to do with the uh, Vietnam War. Um, more recently in, um, well, when I went to college. So when I graduated from uh, college, Stanford, in 1985, a bunch of us had these banners we were wearing across this free South Africa. So there was a movement in the 80s around avoiding investing in South Africa because that was one that was a place where um, there were a lot of successful companies, but obviously there was a disconnect there. Um, and then in about 1976, just to go back for a moment, Calvert Group in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, uh, was founded, um, and I worked there in the. Uh, mid-80s, um, so I've been familiar with these concepts for a long time, but there's been a lot of development since then. And then in the 1990s, the United Nations launched the Principles for Responsible Investment, which is PRI, that's, you'll hear that term, which is a framework for institutional investors to incorporate the ESG factors into their investment decision making. And, you'll, and, and there's a number of organizations and companies who have adopted that. So it's evolved and grown over the years. Now, instead of saying SRI, we tend to talk about ESG. And there's lots of different kinds of vehicles. And I'm going to try to unpack some of that because they're not all the same. Uh, some are more recent. Some are trying to do different uh, things around this, this area. So if we think about the continuum of SRI or ESG investing, you start out with no, uh, let's just say you're investing for returns. Um, you aren't taking into account any of these factors. And as you move um, to, to the right, you're right, um, you start to have things where people are avoiding, the, the old socially responsible investments were tended to avoid companies or stocks that invested in certain areas. It was what we call a negative screening. Um, over the years, um, we, we've had more positive screening um, or engagement with um, companies, so people, shareholders would buy in to engage with the company uh, from somewhat of an activism um, approach to get the company to change some of their policies. And then all the way to the right is what we call impact investing. And normally that's the place where you are trading returns for the impact that you want to have. And I'll talk about some of the investments that fall into that area. But I think a lot of times people assume that when we're talking about ESG investing, that we're, we're going way to the right. And that's not really the case. Um, so aligning money and values um, doesn't have to be a zero sum game. Uh, the way that I like to think about it, and I think you're going to hear more of going forward, and I've got some examples is it's about risk management. Um, really think, it's not just about um, avoiding things, but in, in this day and age, uh, if you're not careful, the company you might be investing in isn't making good choices. And the, that said though, so it's about risk management in some cases. In some cases, as individual investors, you are wanting to avoid putting your money into certain companies and industries, and that's okay as well. Um, and certain institutions or um, organizations want to align and avoid um, or to support um, values through their investing. But it doesn't, you don't have to be giving up return. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. I want to give some examples, though, um, 
First on the positive side, so I don't know how many of you know that Walgreens has, um, or Walmart has made a huge commitment to sustainability. Um, many big corporations have some sort of head of sustainability um, because they already understand um, that if, if they don't manage their impact, it's not good for their business. Um, they can see the writing on the wall regardless of where our government and, and citizens are. Um, another, I think, positive example is uh, United Airlines. So they've made a, a, a commitment to be um, carbon, I want to make sure I say this right, to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, um, at least their impact, by 100% by 2050. Five zero. So it's going to take them a while. The way they're doing that is they are creating their own sustainable um, aviation fuel. And if you've um, if you've ridden on United, you've seen that in their magazines. They are really they are at the cutting edge of all the airlines of doing this. Um, it there's a couple reasons why they're doing this. To be clear, it, it certainly is a good look. There's no doubt about it. But it's also smart because what they've had to do. I mean, you, you may know this with airlines that they, because um, fuel is so volatile, they have to hedge, they have to make hedging investments um, against fuel prices changing on them or they can't run a sustainable business. So for them, by, by creating their own fuel and bringing the rest of the industry along, it just makes financial and business sense. And that's what you're going to see more and more of. This isn't some fad. I mean, at least for uh, many companies, it's just a smart decision and it's risk management. Um, and that's a way to think about this. So here's two negative examples recently that I think go to the case for why you need to be thinking about what the companies you're investing in are doing. Um, great or poor example um, is Norfolk Southern. All great stock, great dividend, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but as you know, they've had two fairly big derailments and created a big mess um, uh, in our country and some communities. Um, so year to date, the stock is down 15%, while the S&P is up anywhere from 4 to 6%. You are trading off right now return on the negative side because, and, and there's a lot of reasons why they've had this derailment. Um, and they are, they are committed to cleaning it up and, and doing the right thing. But if you're investing in that stock, you're losing money right now. And that's risk management, I think, as a really pure example. Uh, the other one um, that goes to corporate governance, and unfortunately we have several of these right now, is Silicon Valley Bank. Um, and while some of this is about Fed interest rates, there's a number of reasons. All of this is a little more complex than everybody wants to believe. But part of it is corporate governance. Um, they knew, they've known that this was an accident waiting to happen, that as interest rates went up, that they were going to be in a position with the, uh, the Treasury securities they were holding, losing money, and there was always the risk that if there was um, a run on their, um, you know, the money, the, the um, bank depositors wanted their money back, that they were going to have a problem. Obviously, there's some issues about government um, oversight and regulation as well, but at the end, they're an organization, they, did, they could have known and did know the math, um, and I believe Silicon Valley Bank was the one that did not have a director of risk management in place when everything fell apart and hadn't had somebody in place um, for about a year. 
That's a really great example of poor corporate governance. And so, um, so you need to be thinking about the companies you're investing in, what kinds of risks are they taking in these three areas that they are exposing you to and could impact returns? We're, we're always so focused on you're giving up returns. Well, you could be easily giving up returns on the other side if you're not careful. So, um, you know, and the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of talk right now um, for those who hadn't been paying attention to this phenomenon, which is SRI investing that has morphed into ESG. It seems like it's a hot fad. And, and definitely the SEC is trying to get their head around um, which companies are really doing this, which companies are doing what we call greenwashing is they want to look good so they appear to be doing certain things. That's where you need to be watching for things like carbon um, offset. Um, so like what United is choosing to do is literally change their footprint. The way some companies do that is to buy carbon offsets. And, and so it makes them look better, but that doesn't mean they're actually doing something proactively. So, you know, there's a lot of scrutiny. Should ESG investments be in 401ks? Um, a lot of back and forth on that as well. But just know that this is not a new issue. This is not a new phenomenon. And there's a lot of different ways that you can invest where um, it isn't going to be greenwashing. But you need to be careful, it seems to me. Um, so, it, it, you know, a little bit of buyer beware here um, that you need to do your research. Uh, there are plenty of investments that have been around for a long time. And so that's one of the things you want to be looking at is how are you actually investing in e ESG? Is it individual securities? Is it um, exchange traded funds? Is it mutual funds? How long have they been around? Are they new to the party? Um, you want to be watching for that. Uh, to decide how you want to invest in, in the impact that you want to have. So when we think about applying the alignment of values to investments um, or and financial action, so I want to take it broader than just investing. Um, one way is, of course, to, um, to align your investments uh, with the values that are important to you. And, and everybody's values are going to be different. This is not a one-size-fits-all. And it can be sliced and diced in a lot of different ways, maybe some ways that you won't be comfortable with. I can tell you there are a whole array of different religious, religiously screened investments out there. The Baptists, um, we have Islamic um, uh, criteria. That's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Um, there's going to be other, a, a whole range out there, Catholic values. I've got some clients who want Catholic value screened investments. Um, so it's not quite as one size fits all as um, it looks like. And also you can focus on fossil fuels. Um, you can go with some of the, there, there is a, a fund that's been around for a long time that invests in alternative energy. It is not new. Um, it's quite volatile, but it's not new. Um, so there's a number of ways that you can slice and dice this, but investing is one way to align your values. Donating uh, to causes that you believe in is, uh, is another way to do that. Um, and even then, I want to break that down where you sort of combine donating and investing. There is a, a charitable vehicle out there called a donor-advised fund. We use it a lot with our clients 
within, basically the concept is that you put money into the donor advised fund, you get to take a charitable deduction, and then you grant money out of this fund to 501c3 charities. It's sort of like having your own mini foundation. So not only donating, however you do that, could be a way to align your values, whatever your values are, but you can also, uh, depending on who you place your money with, you can also choose ESG or impact investments for that money. So that becomes sort of a twofer where it's not only are you giving money to the organizations you care about, but while it's sitting in the fund, it may be doing some good, so to speak. Um, and then personal financial choices and spending. So um, where you align, um, how you spend your money, which companies you place your money with or spend money with, that's another way. Um, everybody's going to have a different continuum of how they do that. But I want to make sure that we aren't just talking about investing because you really can take it further than that. One of the things that our company has um, done over the last two years, it took actually we started this I think before the pandemic or in the pandemic, is there um, companies can choose to go through a process, it's a global entity that, that actually uh, walks you through the process and certifies you of becoming a B Corp, which is a beneficial corporation. Has anybody ever heard of B Corps? So we, uh, we haven't officially announced it, but we are now a B Corp. And what that means is it's about um, sustainability, transparency, and social and environmental impact. So we've actually taken it a step further as a business to align how we operate our business with these kind of principles. So there are all, there's a myriad of different ways that we can align both at an individual or family level all the way up to businesses like I described earlier or like a small business like me. So there's a number of different ways that we can invest um, and, and follow ESG principles. Again, there are, there are a whole set of mutual funds and screens around different religious uh, values. So that's, the, um, that's not what anybody hears about, but I can tell you they exist out there. So it's not all woke, green, granola uh, eating kind of values. There are other ones um, that you might not find to be in alignment with your values, but you can choose to do that. Um, you can invest in mutual funds. So mutual funds are a basket of stocks or bonds. Um, that is a way that exists. When I worked at Calver Group, they were along with Pioneer. Actually, American Funds had an early fund. Uh, those were the first ways that you could really invest besides individual stocks. So individual stocks are also an option too, but mutual funds were really the first way from a socially responsible standpoint, now ESG. Um, Individual stocks and bonds, um, some of you may have heard of the strategy, it's on TV these days, called direct indexing. And basically, you are holding individual stocks and bonds, primarily it's focused on stocks, um, where you can control and personalize the screens of what you invest in. So you can tell Schwab or a number of other entities that you want to avoid certain things. It's mostly negative. Sometimes there's some positive. That's really the next level is to be able to have positive screens. Um, but right now, for sure, you can avoid certain kinds of industries if you want. So you get to personalize your portfolio. Now, the one thing I'll say about that is when you start playing portfolio manager, you need to be responsible for your own returns. So when you start, to, if you decide to go down that path, 
There is no one else to blame except yourself as far as the returns you get. Um, if you'd rather not play that um, game, um, you're better off to stick with mutual funds or what really is the new arena, and this is where you need to be a little more careful, are exchange-traded funds. So exchange-traded funds are like mutual funds in a way. They're generally following some sort of index. Uh, there is a very well-known uh, KLD uh, 400, Domini 400, um, index that's been around a long time. You can invest in that exchange-traded fund. It trades on the exchanges, which mean and it trades during the day like a stock, but it's diversified versus being in an individual company. Um, and that's that's probably the place that you have to watch out most carefully right now because that's where some of the greenwashing is happening. Um, that's where we've got mutual fund companies, investment companies coming out with a green fund. Um, and, and you have to see how long have they been around, read a little deeper as far as what index they're following, what are they doing to make sure that you're really investing in a way that makes sense to you. Um, and, and then there's a couple of other areas that you may not be as familiar with. One is um, going to be community investment notes. Is anybody familiar with community investment notes? Okay, so um, there's a number of organizations, community investment banks, that tend to lend money out into the community to help small businesses or help with uh, low-income housing. And basically what's happening is if you put your money with them, um, you know that your money is going into the community. The tr there is actually a trade-off. This is where the trade-offs happen when, once we get to this realm. Um, you are, instead of getting, if at, a, at Bank of America, you're getting 4% on your CD or your money market, you might only get three. Um, that, that allows them to loan the money out into the community organizations or businesses um, at a lower rate. So you are definitely trading but it's a way to make some money versus giving it away. So that's the, if, if you wanna have an impact, but you're not quite ready to give your money away, thinking about community investment notes, and you know, cash is really hot right now. Um, having money at the bank, because we can finally make a, not a great return compared to inflation, but we can make a return um, on it. Uh, that's something to consider. I know one of um, the organizations that we work with, uh, right now they have a one year note for 3%. So that's not bad. I mean, it's, it's not great. It's better than what your checking account is earning. And, and you get to keep the money, and you know that you're having a positive impact out there in the community. Um, and then there is actual impact, let's call it venture capital investing. So more of an equity investment, um, but focused on projects and organizations uh, that again are having an impact in the community. Now those are much riskier. Normally there are criteria you need to meet to be what's called an accredited inv investor. So that's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, and just like any sort of venture capital deals, they can fail. Um, so you have to understand where that fits in your portfolio. But there is a, you know, a real continuum of ways that you can align your portfolio, your money, uh, both as far as your personal actions, but then as far as how you invest. And hopefully I've opened up some eyes that there, it isn't um, as small of a group as everybody is, is thinking about. So um, I want to talk just briefly about what St. John's is doing. So um, most of you probably won't know this, but we had been working with another investment advisor, actually who had some reputation 
um, in the SRI arena. Um, but we, because of a variety of reasons, we decided to put a request for proposal out to uh, look at new advisors. And after a lengthy process, uh, we did pick um, a, a local team from Goldman Sachs. And one of the reasons that we picked them to manage our endowment money going forward is that they really got where we're looking to go in 2023 as far as aligning uh, the church's money and values, Episcopal values. And um, they have some real depth as far as understanding how you can invest and make money. Because we, while we want to align our values more closely to the National Episcopal Church's values, uh, we also need to make some money to support the operations of this church. So we can't afford to just treat it like impact investments, give up return, and feel good about ourselves. Uh, there are lots of people depending on us both within this church, the church walls as well as out in the, the community for us to continue to make money, but there's no reason why we can't align our values more closely so that we can feel good while, while doing well. And, and so that's, we are very early in making that transition at this point, and there is gonna be a discernment process to redevelop our investment policy statement, take that back to the vestry, um, and, and make sure everybody is comfortable with that, while also making sure that we will be able to meet our financial, our growing financial needs here within St. John's. Uh, so, so some things changing. Um, not that we were completely out of alignment before. We're just taking it, taking a much more intentional approach going forward. Which, I, as I, I hope, have made the case, makes some sense from um, a risk management standpoint. And we are going to individual securities, i.e., stocks and bonds. So it will be important to discern differently, whereas when we were at our our prior investment manager, we were in a number of mutual funds and individual stocks and bonds. So, so we're gonna need the expertise of Goldman Sachs. We feel very confident uh, with their team of folks. Um, one of the articles um, that's over here that you can pick up is about how they don't believe you are trading returns uh, for aligning values. So be sure to read that if you have any questions. There's actually another piece that's from an industry publication that you might find interesting as well. So I've thrown a lot at you and I wanna stop and pause for a moment and see if people have questions. Yes, Joanne. Well, I'm wondering, Lisa, um, you've spoken about Catholic values, Quaker values. <coughs> I know the national church has had this conversation can you say anything more about the National Episcopal Church's guidance? Off the top of my head, not really. I mean, um, they have actually, the, the National Church's um, criteria are pretty, um, pretty uh, comprehensive, and so that's part of what we're going to need to navigate through with um, Goldman Sachs. It's not just alcohol, tobacco, firearms kind of thing. It's, it's much more detailed than that. And so there's going to be what we're going to need to do, and we would have done with our prior investment advisor, is to say, okay, if we align with these, uh, this criteria, if we adopt these fully, um, how and they can do this. How how does that model out in terms of the portfolio and and possible returns, or at least past returns? Obviously, past returns are no guarantee of future results. So um, they aren't just 
the simple old SRI values, um, it's much more detailed, and so it's going to take us some time to, to really work through that and see how closely we can align. Martha? Uh, regarding United. Yeah. Uh, you made the statement, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that they are creating their own fuel. You gotta explain that. Right? Yeah, you know what? It's biofuel, and so they're doing it out of junk and trash. If you um, um, if you uh, ride on United, you'll see the ads, and they've got Oscar the Grouch, um, and they, they've paid obviously Sesame Street, um, and and he's all excited about we're we're taking our waste and we're turning it into fuel. So it's biofuel. Oh. Yeah. So it is absolutely cutting edge um, what they're they're doing. Um, not like even hydrogen or, you know, uh, whatever. So, yeah. I have Chuck. Yeah. In today's society or financial world, do, can, do we still expect to receive over a year an 8% return? Is that, that's past? Yeah, that, that's past. Really Most past. people weren't getting that if they actually had a diverse, diversified portfolio because once you add bonds, you're not going to get the same returns. Um, I can tell you that in our financial planning software, and we're using projected future returns from a particular entity, we've known this for a while, they are projecting lower returns. Uh -oh. um, on I could tell you off the top, but it's definitely lower, and then you have to add in bonds because most of us have a diverse, diversified portfolio. So we need to be expecting lower re returns, I think, in, in general, which doesn't make it easy um, to make the math work, but yeah. that's the reality. I just two quick uh, technical questions. Yeah. One, uh, I think I'm noticing that rating agencies for trading uh, stocks um, now have ESG scores. How reliable are they? Could you repeat the question? Yeah, so the, the question is um, that there are ratings agencies looking at ESG criteria. Morningstar is pretty well right. known, right? Um, you know, Morningstar is, uh, is uh, an industry favorite. I mean, I think you, you need to read what it says and not just take the score because, again, it depends on what your values and criteria are. And, you know, the other thing I didn't say, thank you for, for bringing this up, is um, there's a bit of a slippery slope with, um, with ESG investing because one could argue one of the things that we've seen a lot in the portfolios in the past are technology stocks. Um, but if you do a little bit more research, you realize that technology uses a lot of energy. Um, and, and so you're going to find that there are going to be competing answers here. It's not, it's going to be hard to find a company that is going to, you know, hit it out of the park on every single different area. And, and when you start to, to dive deeper, like with technology stocks, you start to wonder, are they really socially responsible or ESG driven? And so it's, it's, I wish I could say it's easy, but it's not easy, and you have to pick on your own. I think that's a good starting point to look at the ratings, but you definitely want to understand what they gave which ratings and why, and then you have to figure out if that's important to you or not. The second one is, uh, with respect to community notes, uh, I've, I've been attracted lately to the idea of investing more at the community level. And uh, where, do they, where are they listed? Where are they how are they, how are, how are you? You know, you can probably do a, a yeah, so, so the question is, um, if you're interested in community investment notes, how do you find them? I mean, you can do some Google searches, um, and I always, I'm going to get this confused. Um, so Calvert, um, Impact Assets um, is up in Bethesda, 
and they split themselves between the donor advised fund and, and then their impact investing. And, and I'm going to get this confused about, you can try to find Calvert Community Investment Notes. I would do that. That's a good place to go. And that, they also, one of the two organizations has a donor advice fund where you can pick not only in, impact investments, but ESG investments as well. So that's where you get that total alignment. Um, and those notes, um, I can tell you um, it's a little tricky, but you can, you can trade those or you can buy them on Schwab's platform because we used to buy them on Schwab's that's platform. Yeah, you can. Anything my financial advisors know about them and can no, no, uh, uh, not unless they do ESG investing. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, and you need a brokerage firm. That's um, so. I I do know. I mean, we had to when we bought them on the Schwab platform. We had to tell them what's called the QCIP number. Um, So we had to. We had to. It's it's a fairly manual process, and even with our current custodian SEI investments, we can do it, but we have to manage that process. So do not assume. I mean, even um, investment advisors who have some understanding of ESG uh, investment notes, impact notes. That's that's sort of the next range. Um, you've had to have been involved in the community to even know about those and know how to um, execute those. Yeah. Thank you very much, Lisa. These were wonderful remarks. Let me go back to the basics, if I might. Let's just say your investment approach is to say, I wonder if I don't like tobacco, firearms, or alcohol or gambling. Yep. And so I pull my investment, let's just presume huge pension funds would do the same thing. Does it reduce conduct in the, world, in the world, real world where there's less consumer consumption of tobacco, alcohol, less gambling, less firearms? What's, I'm trying to look at the real world impact. Repeating my question. Yeah, so I, I think, um, so by investing in ESG, um, or socially responsible investing, whatever, can you see a direct impact um, as far as uh, people doing less of these things that you've decided? Yeah. If you don't invest in fossil fuels, you can reduce the, the use of fossil fuels. I'm just trying to look at that connection directly or indirectly. Well, all right, so two, two thoughts on this. Number one is, um, it all depends on how you're doing the investing and how the organizations that you are investing with do this. The ones that um, do shareholder activism, in other words, they are holding um, shares of a particular company's stock, go to the annual meetings, or not even just the annual meetings, but are actively engaging with the company to change their policies. Yes, that is a more direct way. Now, that's not all of the investment options that are out there, but. But if that's important to you, then you want to be working with investment managers or certainly, um, you know, you if you are invested in XYZ um, stock, you want to write to or you want to go to the annual meeting and stand up and say, I'm not comfortable with this policy or this approach and when are you going to change it? I'm a shareholder. That's shareholder activism. So it is, it is possible in that realm to have an impact. The other thing that is super cutting edge, which I'm hoping that the organization we work with is going to have in the next year, is that for our clients who are actively doing ESG investing, they are going to get reporting. There is reporting available to show how your investing is having an impact, whether it's you know less of a footprint on the planet or whatever. That's the cutting edge of ESG and impact investing is that you will get reporting as an investor that says how you have positively impacted um, things as opposed to just negatively avoided. So it's coming. 
Um, but that is pretty cutting edge right now. Certainly, I've got clients who that's what they're looking for at this point. And one point I want to make, because I know this is true for a lot of clients of ours, is that you might be really interested in this and you're gonna look at your portfolio and if you've inherited stocks over the last oh, 20, 30, 40 years, you got a lot of oil stocks, got a lot of stuff that probably doesn't align with your values, there's a, a number of things you can do. One is put them into a donor advised fund or give them to an organization like St. John's. You get a charitable deduction, you don't have to recognize the gains and it's out of your portfolio as opposed to giving cash. That's one way to deal with it. The other one is just over time, figuring out how you can slowly recognize those gains or give them to a family member or whatever um, and start to realign your portfolio. And there's organizations that can help with that. The other quick thing that we did with a lot of clients is that we moved all of their IRA money into ESG. Why does that make sense? Because we, we could totally sell out of the investments they were in and not recognize any taxes because it's within the IRA account. And so if you're interested in this, you want to get a foothold, but you're looking at part of your portfolio and realizing that to make the changes you need to make, you're going to have to pay a bunch of taxes. Um, there are ways to mitigate that, but the easy thing to do is in your retirement plan accounts and your IRAs to realign your investments there. We did that a, a number of years ago and a lot of our clients were happy for us to do that um, and it didn't cause any taxes so that's one way to think about that. I'm sorry I have another question. Oh go for it. Yeah, okay and then one I'll... of the challenges I'm seeing is uh, trade-offs among ESG okay factors and the biggest one I've been thinking of lately is child labor. Right. Um, so you've Huge. got an including in this country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so we've got commercial companies that are focusing, Walmart included, focusing on environment now and their, their footprint. But, you know, how do you figure out, it's just a warning, how do you figure out how what their stand is and what their positions are with respect to labor standards and values related to, you know, Labor. Most big companies, so a couple different things. Most big companies, it's front and center on their websites. If you go to their websites, maybe go to the investor relations area, they're going to have their standards. Now, whether they are completely following those, that's, that's another Google search. Um, and there are you know, organizations you can go to to assess that. Certainly the rating agencies are looking at that. So that is an, an issue. And the other way you can deal with that is a vote with your pocketbook, which is that you don't buy that company's product, clothing, whatever the heck it is. So there's two ways. You know, one is with investment and the second one is like your spending. So and yeah, that's a, a hot issue. Anybody read the post, right, um, this morning? That was an issue. Um, and there, there's a myriad of issues to think about when we think about E, S, and G. Um, not easy. Yes, Ann. Uh, two things. I set up a fund with the Arlington Community Foundation yep. because I believe in what they do, but also after I die, uh, they take care of the money in organizations that I believe in. The second thing is that um, this is a, another hat. Uh, in my IRA, St. John's is a beneficiary when I die, but you don't know that. Uh, <laughs> and you should know that. I just read that as I listed the beneficiary, I may have the name of St. John's listed incorrectly and it might go to another St. John's. So, um, yeah. 
Good. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. So um, obviously you need to name the right St. John's Church, Lafayette Square, and then ideally um, our our EIN or whatever, we have a, a um, you know number we can give you to make sure um, if you can include the address in addition, that's good as well. So yes, the more specific you can be about which St. John's you mean, uh, it avoids some but question. Does it help for me to say to, I don't know who? Uh, me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so I am the head of plan giving in the 1816 right. Society, and we are in a process of trying to uh, find out who, thank you, has um, named St. John's somewhere in their estate planning, either in their will, their trust, beneficiary designations on retirement plans, insurance, annuities, whatever it is. And so we need to know, I'm trying to compile that list. We are going to reorganize the 1816 Society, which you um, are and should be a member of. Um, and going forward, we're going to be doing some more education um, around a variety of issues, including the changes in the uh, state taxes that are probably coming in the next two years. So thank you. And if you need some more information, we can help you with um, making sure the beneficiary designation reads properly. Everyone, please join me in thanking you. Thank you. Feel free to take um, any of the articles up there. And if you've got more questions, just reach out to me. I think, what a great way to end on 1868. Yeah. <laughs> that was Thank my you. Plan. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, you know, I've been asked this question. Oh, I can't believe it's so, this. That was a great last question. Uh, we're trying to build up the 1868 Society. I just read that somewhere, and I thought, oh my gosh. And, you know, I've I just, just said Lafayette Square because I've done the same thing. Yeah, but I don't have Square, an EIN number or whatever. Well, Lafayette Square is enough, I think. I think that'll make it clear. I mean, that's there's no other. Yeah, there's only yeah. Lafayette Square. Yeah. So I probably have that, but I will be checking. Please. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't go to George. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, God forbid. <laughs> Help me remember to look for this and maybe Hello. Hey, how are you? Good to see you. How are you? You all met before. Hi. I don't think so. Hi, Liz. Clark Irvin. Nice to meet you. Senior Ward. Oh, your fiance? Yes. Excellent. That's what I thought. Well, yeah, people know that I have one. Yeah, we do know who she is. Congratulations. Do you have a date? Yeah, November 4th. Terrific. And you'll have it. Yeah, well, yes, we'll have it here, a small family wedding. Very uh, so, nice. Yeah, it should be very nice. We're well, congratulations. Now, what do you do? Oh, I work at an economic consulting firm. Oh, terrific. Well, that's Sir, great. Very well, well, congratulations. Thank you just mentioned you. Now I meet you. Yes. Hi, it's great to see you. That's been talking oh, about.
One last puff? What's that? One last puff? Good to see you. Everybody, good morning. Good to see you. Thank you, Grant. Good to see you.